Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. Well, so much is happening uh, all around the world. And um, my goodness, God's up to things. Yeah, There's some things that we're rejoicing over, some things that we have tears over. It's this thing of living on earth. Yeah, Until we see everything under his feet, we're going to be encountering things that are seemingly going the way of, of the kingdom and then other things that seem to be going you know, exactly the opposite way. And there's this tension and it's great because it keeps us in a place of faith. I mean, we are people of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Um, you know, when you see something, it's an invitation to prayer. Now, the enemy wants to give you a different kind of invitation. He gives you the invitation to despair, fear, anxiety. You don't have to accept that invitation. Yeah, you are powerful. You can say, I decline. Yeah, so... Uh, what a wonderful time we had with Let Us Worship. Wow, so awesome to be among thousands of believers from all over the country. I mean, people drove from Cape Town. They came from, you know, the, the coast. Uh, they came from Harare. People came down. We had people who were living across the street heard the sound decided they better investigate, and then they came. <laughs> yeah, that's what we prayed. Yeah, and, um, and people's lives changed, transformed. You know, things lifting off people, people being delivered from addictions and, and all kinds of things. It was just so good. And, and to be part of what, you know, the body of Christ was doing together. A number of churches working together um, for, for the day. And, and you know, that's really our heart, that we'd be part of kingdom adventures. Mm-hmm. So, so good. And uh, so we're praying into what's next. Because it can't just be about an event, right? Yeah, it needs to be about a shift and a change in, um, in what's going on in our region and, and further beyond. Yeah, so, so good. So I want to say thank you to everybody who helped with hosting delegates for the worship school, uh, people who helped serving on the day of Let Us Worship. Um, I think we had about 75 beds that we made available to delegates. To delegates. That's amazing, yeah, come on. <laughs> Folks, that's part of our, our roots, you know, a serving community that would, would host people and, uh, and we just share lives together. And the people who came, they were blessed because they got to get some of the inside scoop on what goes on here at Breakthrough. And, and then you as hosts were also blessed because you had the fellowship, rich, warm, encouraging fellowship of people from other churches around the country. And so there's this beautiful cross-pollination takes place. And um, so you guys are amazing. Well done. Yay. So, so good. Yeah, good. Uh, just want to welcome 
Pastor Thring, good to have you with us. Um, it's been a while. You know, since your, your son stopped playing drums for us, we haven't had you here for a while, so it's really good to, to have you. Thank you so much. Good to have you here. Uh, we have totally worn Daryl out. No, I'm just kidding. He's on leave. <laughs> so uh, Daryl and Phil are away for about three weeks or so and uh, just enjoying a good, a good break and really do appreciate the team that, uh, that worked so hard um, to put everything together over the last few weeks. So that was really, really super good. Uh, and then some sad news. I, I think many of you would have already heard but Bill Johnson's wife, Benny, passed away this week. And uh, it was a real struggle. Um, and so our hearts go out to, to Bill and to the Johnson family and, of course, the Bethel family as well. You know, we've had so much impact in our own lives through them and through their, their family as well. And uh, so just be praying for them. It's going to be a tough time. You know, when you, when you get into the trenches and you're contending for something, and you don't receive it, then it's going to be this amazing opportunity to face a test. Are we going to become disheartened and discouraged? Or are we going to say, all right, we didn't win this one, but we're not giving up? If I know Bill Johnson, and I've been you know, following some of his stuff since 2006, I think I know what, how he's going to respond. He's going to say, you know what? God is still good. And he still wins in the end. And we live with mystery. We don't always understand what, ha- what happens and why we don't always get all of the answers that we're hoping for. But nevertheless, we will not change our understanding that he is good. Our Circumstances might be speaking something to the contrary, but we choose his word above our circumstance. Yeah, so be praying for uh, the Johnson family. Yeah, that's good. And then just a little teaching moment, family, if I may. When we get to the end of our time of worship and the Spirit's moving, and reconnecting with the Lord. That would not be a good time to walk your children out of the building. Because you're teaching your children this is not important. When we've actually got to the climax, really, of why we're here, is to encounter the Lord. And so I want to encourage moms and dads, and I want to encourage children's ministry workers, those that are in the building, obviously those that are on duty today or out, but because we've got different cycles going on, that you would know next time, if you see a flood of people trying to leave the door, you just become that door. (laughs) You shall not pass. (laughs) So we, we want to actually teach our children, hey, When that thing is happening, when we're singing in the spirit, when when God is busy moving and touching people's hearts, 
That's a time of awe and of reverence. It's a time to, to be aware of what God is doing in other people's hearts. And if we're all traipsing out and making a happy sound as we go down the stairs, it's going to detract from what God is doing. And so we want to honor what God is doing in the gathering. Does it make sense? Yeah, so as a family, we consider one another in, in all of our, our actions. Okay. Thank you for next time. Yay. And then the people who are not here, next time when they do it, you just put a gentle hand. No, no, wait, 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 wait. Shh, shh, shh. No, no. Not there. Shh, shh, shh. Not now. Stay, stay. Okay. All right. Wonderful. So, some weeks ago, we were just digging into the whole thing of Pentecost and that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. And it was prophesied through Ezekiel that he would take out of us our heart of stone and he would give to us a heart of flesh. And this amazing interplay between the first Pentecost, which was the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, and the Pentecost as we often refer to, which was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Mount Zion, Jerusalem. And this giving of the law was on stone tablets. But I will take out your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will write on your heart. Hmm. And this amazing contrasting, and we're going to see in a couple of scriptures in a moment, this contrasting between the first Pentecost and the second Pentecost, in a sense. I mean, they celebrated year after year after year. That's why they were all there in Jerusalem, people from all parts of the known world were gathered together in Jerusalem because they were there for the festival of Pentecost, which was remembering the giving of the law. And so they were celebrating, there was a, a major time of rejoicing because God had revealed the right way to live. How should we live in a way that will please him? Mm-hmm. And so they were celebrating that. They came for the feast, the festival of Pentecost. Well, the outpouring of the Spirit, it comprehensively changed and upgraded Pentecost. You see, the law was external. It was a bunch of rules. But Pentecost was internal. And now we're under the rule, the government of God. 
from the inside out. You see, the Pharisees and the scribes and all those guys, Jesus said, hey, you like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, looks beautiful, but inside, stinketh. Dead men's bones. Terrible. And so the law dealt with external things. It was meant to come right through into the heart. But it was unfortunate that the old covenant, because of the shortcomings of the old covenant, caused people to try and live externally up to God's standard, but internally hearts far from God. But in the new covenant, because he's living on the inside and he's leading us from the inside, it then translates and works on the outside and impacts and influences our behavior. So our behaviors spring from our belief system. Not external rules that are imposed on us. But we're living from the heart. Living by the spirit. Okay? So, a couple of scriptures just to remind us of where we were all those weeks ago. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Ho, 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 ho. I'll put a new spirit in you. You see, we were dead in our transgressions, but by the spirit we've been made alive. Our spirits were made alive to God. He put a new spirit within us. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So instead of an external government, now we get the Holy Spirit on the inside and he's moving us. He's causing us to live a life that pleases him. Isn't that awesome? Hebrews 8 and verse 10. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. What's the writer to the Hebrews trying to say here as he quotes from Jeremiah? He's talking about how life in the spirit is meant to be. That the Holy Spirit on the inside of us is causing us to live in the same way that pleases God, that God invited the people of Israel into in the old covenant. But they were unable to do it See, the old covenant revealed the standard to come before God. But the law was like a line in the sand. You're either on this side of the line or you're on that side of the line. 
So that's why one of the words for sin actually talks about transgress, transgressions. means you've crossed the line. That, that's it, you've crossed the line now. Transgression. But you would not know what the line was unless God said, well, there's the line. Thou shalt not kill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, just because it's Old Covenant and Old Testament doesn't mean that these things are not pulled through into the new covenant. The way in which we relate to God is different. But it's the same God of the old covenant is the same God of the new covenant. Sometimes I I try to provoke people to think a little bit and I say to them, God is not a schizophrenic God. Meaning that he was old, crotchety, angry in the old covenant. But now in the new covenant, he's completely different personality, full of grace and mercy and love. No, no. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So same God... And the same things that we should do to please him. But the way in which we do it is different. Okay? So, thou shalt not kill. Murder? In the new covenant? Is this a good thing? No. Not only that. But he now deals with the root of it in the heart because it's from the inside out. He says, don't even be angry and hate your brother. Because from that place of anger and hatred, rage, you will then launch into murder. So let's start at the, at the core, at the heart. This is the new covenant. But it's the same law, don't kill. Okay? It seems strange that we should even have to talk about these things in church. But it's amazing how some people don't know how to to hold the revelation of the old covenant and bring through the cross the aspects of godliness that we are supposed to bring through. The problem with the old covenant was that the law was powerless to, ch- to change you. All it did was said, this is the standard. All right, now you know this is how you please God and nobody could meet the standard. So that's why it was weak. Powerless. It could not save. All it could do was point out, this is the line, this is the standard. But, book of Hebrews tells us, we have a superior covenant. Because this covenant is the covenant in the spirit. And the righteousness of this covenant does not come by our own good works and good efforts. It comes by His. Oh my goodness. That's 
radically different. You see, under the old covenant, it was your own good works that you would try and be righteous. But nobody could. But praise God, because of Jesus, what he accomplished, we stand in his righteousness. Let's look at it together in, um, in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. You ready? Have you opened your Bible? You being lazy, just going to look on the screen? Okay, just checking. It's family, eh? All right. Therefore, there is now no condemnation if you didn't bring your Bible. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus. Old covenant, it was in and through the law that you related to God. But the new covenant means we put our faith into Jesus. We're relying on in Jesus, not just on him, but in him. So we are in Christ Jesus. You'll notice if you compare the original Greek manuscripts with some of the letters, particularly in the NIV, the nearly infallible version, Nearly. No, no. Different translations, they go for slightly different things. There's intention why they are different. Okay? Some of them are trying to be word for word, but that we know is problematic, even from English to Afrikaans and vice versa. He het nie die bal geskop nie. He did not, the ball kick not. It just, just doesn't quite work. Right? So we know we've got some issues translating from one language to another. Similarly with the Greek into English. Okay? But in the original, many of Paul's letters, in the original, he say, in Christ Jesus, 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 again and again and again. Why? For emphasis, the repetition is on purpose. He's been inspired by the Spirit to place that emphasis there. Now some of the translations, they try to be a bit more poetic and they say, you know what, people are going to get bored if you say that. So they would sometimes say, now in Him or in Christ. And so they will, will, will vary the translation a little bit. They're not messing with the intention of it, but they were just, they're using some um, linguistic techniques to make it readable. But in the Greek, it's in him, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So that we would know that actually when we believe in him, we're actually entering into him and he covers us. So when the father looks at us, he sees that we are in Christ Jesus 
And he looks and he sees, hang on, there's the blood of the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. The blood of Jesus. He shed on the cross. And the father looks at us, because we are in Christ Jesus, he's looking through Jesus and what he achieved and what he accomplished as the perfect, sinless savior of the world. And he says, oh, but you have the righteousness of Christ. So he says, you're right. You're righteous. You're in right standing with God. Even though you've been a skabenga your whole life, Yeah, and he looks at it and he says, wow, look, there's the blood of Jesus. So he declares, you're righteous. Yeah? You've been justified. You've been aligned to his, to his will. You're like on your computer, you write a, a letter or whatever it is, and you're either left justified or you center justified. You're bringing things into alignment. We justified, we were brought into alignment with his right judgments. So we're in him, we're covered by the blood. Now please, when you're talking to your friends at work, Please don't use Christianese language. So, but have you been washed in the blood? I don't know, I thought it was Omo. Don't use that kind of terminology. It just doesn't work with people who don't understand and comprehend biblical principles. Yeah? Just be natural. Mm -hmm. Be supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. Yeah? Did I say it the right way around? And because Jesus was the perfect sinless one, fully God and fully human, Oh, blows the brain. How are we supposed to hold these two things? How can he be both 100% God and 100% human? He was the God man. We've got to hold these things that are polar opposites, but hold them in tension in the mystery of the truth of God's revelation. And because he was perfect, sinless, he could take sin upon himself and be the substitute for us. And only God, <laughs> only God was worthy to actually pay the price. So he had to be the God man. Amazing. All right. We're back in Romans. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Oh my goodness, there's buckets and buckets of stuff in there, right? Okay, so let me see if we can try and put it into our kind of English. Do you ever read passages of scripture and say, I don't know what's, this is good, but I don't know what it's saying. Yeah, it's like, just this is supercharged, like on steroids truth. And it's like, whew, seems to be going over. All right. So what Paul is trying to say here is that, listen, when we were under the law, the old covenant, we tried to keep the law, but we could not. There was going to be condemnation. But because we put our hope and our trust and our faith in Jesus, there's no more condemnation. Why? Because the condemnation, the judgment that should have come to us was put on Jesus. No more condemnation on us. Powerful, yeah? And he's saying, listen, there are two laws that are at work. There's the law which leads to sin and death. The law that pointed out where the transgression line was, and if I'm over the line, I'm doomed. Literally, I deserve death. I deserve judgment. And the law itself was powerless to save me. It was weak and powerless. But, thanks be to God, because of what Jesus did, and because he's put a new spirit within me, I'm alive to God, alive to Christ. He lives in me by the Spirit. And the same Spirit, we're going to see in a moment, that raised Christ from the dead is living in me and has having a powerful impact and influence on my life. So when I try to do it in my own sweat and my own effort, it didn't work. So I can only... Be righteous by believing in the righteousness of Christ. He did it. He did it on my behalf. And then he gave it to me. And he gave to me his righteousness. He took my sinfulness and he gave to me his righteousness. So now I'm pleasing and acceptable and accepted by God because of what Jesus did. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll maybe in a few weeks or months <laughs> look at the way in which when Paul writes to the Galatians and he pulls them up short because they knew that under the law they could not save themselves. They, they had to, by faith, believe in Christ. He said, now, now that you are saved, why? Are you returning back to works, the law, trying to earn your salvation? He says, listen, man, you've been bewitched. 
Yeah? He says, you guys are foolish, man. And then he says a whole lot of very, very ugly and cruel and not suitable for a PG audience. He says, no, guys. If you start in the spirit, you must continue in the spirit. You can't mix these two things. It's by grace we've been saved. So we were seeing that this morning. It was just so powerful, reminding ourselves of the truth. We could not save ourselves. And it's his love and his grace. Hmm? Okay. Verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Okay, so we've got this contrasting, the set of rules, the law. The tablets. See, God's way ahead of the curve. You think you're so fancy with your tablet. (laughs) So if you're trying to live, govern, ruled by the law, well, it's the law of sin and death. What's the consequence? What's the outworking of that? You're going to come under condemnation, under judgment. But... We are under the rule, under the government of the Spirit. So He governs, steers us, shepherds us, moves us to live in a way that pleases the Father. And the Spirit is writing on the inside of us. That's why it says you don't need a neighbor to tell you what to do. Why? Because you have a hotline to heaven. Isn't that amazing? The person sitting next to you, they've got a hotline to heaven. Some of you are kind of like, really? Do you know this person I'm sitting next to? Come on, the Reformation 500 years ago taught us this. We don't need to go through a professional Christian to get our prayers answered. There was the separation between the clergy and the laity. Clergy means those who got their income from serving in the church. And the laity meaning everybody else who didn't get a salary, you were not paid to go to church. That's laity. And they created this class distinction that was never meant to be there. And so we get this mindset, listen, he is the holy man because he's paid to do this. So his prayers, therefore, must be anointed. That must be powerful. He's got the hotline to heaven. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. 
And he is going to be the mediator between heaven and earth. That was never God's intention. Even with the old covenant, God called them out of Egypt to be a nation of priests that would minister to the living God. But when they got to Sinai and there was clouds and lightning and thunder and trumpets and earthquakes and the people said, whoa, Mo, you go. We are not going. And we hope you make it alive. And if you come down, you just tell us what he says and then we will do it. But we are scared. We are not going there. It was never God's intention for the people as a whole not to be engaged with God. We were never supposed to go through another human mediator. Your prayers are just as powerful as anybody who stands on the platform here. We don't need different classes of Christianity. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. We don't need titles or whatever to try and puff people up. I mean, my name's John. Says so on my driver's license, I believe them. (laughs) We don't need some kind of title thing to puff us up and to give us some kind of status. No, no, we all have a hotline to heaven. Cry out to him, he will hear, he will answer. This is powerful stuff. So we're living by the Spirit. He's writing this heart of flesh. He makes an impression as he writes. And that impression means that he begins to form us and fashion us and mold us more and more into his image. We're made in his image. Sin distorted that image. Now, like the potter working with clay, he's reshaping and he's working out all of the scars and the cracks and the broken edges and whatever. He's busy remolding it and fashioning it and shaping us, causing us to be better image bearers of his image. So that we will grow up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. We look like our Father in heaven. More and more we look like him. So that Jesus, his words ring true even to us. He says to Phil, Philip, Philip? Because Philip said, hey, where are you going? We won't know, where's the Father? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm so carrying the image of the Father that if you've seen me, you've seen him. This is awesome stuff. That's what the Holy Spirit is busy doing as he's working on the inside and causing us to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit stems from the flow of life and the DNA and the fruitfulness And so the fruit 
of the Spirit of God showing, manifesting, growing in us, we begin to look like Him in our personality, in our way of living. It's not just about our behavior, it's also about our attitudes. I can't pick a, mm, mm, that kindness just tasted delicious. People are eating, if you like, from our lives. They're tasting something of his goodness through us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When somebody blesses you with something, somebody is generous like beyond generous and you're overwhelmed by that generosity. You're tasting something of the generosity of God. We can taste of his goodness. Okay. I'm interrupting myself again. When we live according to the Spirit, we're governed by the Spirit, there's life and there's peace. Remember Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, life to the full, abundant life. And he's the Prince of Peace. We can have peace with God, peace with one another, and we can release peace into the storms of life. Life and peace. Come on, we are the answer to the chaos of this world. Yeah? Okay. Verse 7. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, hallelujah, but you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the spirit. Come on, when you're born again, your spirit is made alive in Christ. You've got an earth suit on, but primarily you're a spirit being. And you're going to be clothed with this earth suit for, ah, you know, somewhere between 70 and 120 years. Because there's so much to do. That's why we need to live so long. Yeah, because we're making this place look like heaven. There's a lot of work to do. So some of us need to live a little bit longer. Come on, don't clock out too soon, peeps. Come, lift your vision higher. Yeah? So we, we have this, this earth suit, but the spirit, the real you, that's going to live forever, that's been made alive in God. That's the real thing. And his spirit speaks to our spirit. He's writing on the inside of us. Now most of us, because we have Greek thinking, and you remember there's a difference between Hebrew thinking and Greek thinking. This would be yes, I remember John. 
fake it until you can make it. Just nod your head. Makes me feel better. You can go and watch the catch up later. A few weeks ago, we were talking about the difference, the way in which Greek thought shapes much of our modern thinking. And the Bible, the New Testament, a lot of it was written in Greek. But they were Hebrews. They had Hebrew thinking, and Hebrew thinking is different, it's holistic. Greek is more compartmentalized. And the separation between the earth and the spirit realm and all this kind of stuff. Okay? I was going to say something very profound and I've just suddenly lost my train of thought. I do apologize. Come on, chaps, help me now. I was going somewhere really profound. That's it. You're not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, you are in the realm of the spirit. So that's what I was going to say, this profound thing. You ready? I gave you a moment to prepare. Greek thinking heart, cardia, cardiac arrest, cardia, heart, Greek. Hebrew, center of your being. Out of your inmost being will flow rivers of living water. That's why sometimes you talk about you've got a gut feeling. Come on. The heart, the very essence of who you are. Your heart is here. That's why your spirit is here in the very essence. Yeah. So Hebrew thinking is different from right on the cardia. So I'm going to write on the inside. So he communicates, he makes an impression. Spirit to spirit. We just have that gut feeling. Hey, I need to do this. And when we do this thing, we help our neighbor. I just have this gut feeling to pop next door and say, how is it going? And my neighbor says, oh, it's not going so well. Which happened to me this week. And the daughter says, when you came in the door, all of a sudden I felt relief. I said, oh, yeah, no, I know that. Because I carry peace. Because the prince of peace is on the inside. See? See? So we go in as secret agents. Just like walk in the door and they're kind of, something's different. Peace. Exactly. That's why I came here. Come to take over. Yeah? So this gut feeling, it's the Holy Spirit causing us Step left, one step forward, another one to the left, another one forward, three to the right, you'll be in the right place at the right time. It's not because of law, it's because he's moving you, the spirit communicating with your spirit and he's moving you, you're kind of like, how did you know? I needed a phone call today. Yeah? Hey, I was driving to work and it took me a bit longer because of load shedding. The traffic lights were down. 
And I was just thinking about you, my work colleague. And I, I thought of this little poem. Comes from a, an ancient book. Psalms or poems. I wrote out this little piece from this poem. I thought it might encourage you. And the person just starts welling up with tears. How? Because you were moved by the Spirit of God. You had a gut feeling. The Spirit impressed on your spirit. I will write. You see, the Spirit of the law of life is different from the Spirit of, sorry, the law of death and sin. Because we get a little confused when it says the law of the Spirit. Hmm? Might be better for us to say the way of the Spirit. You see, the way of the Spirit is to cause us to be sensitive to Him and to people around us. That we bring life, because we are life carriers. Out of your inmost being will flow rivers of It's not because, okay, I've got to do this more, and I've got to do this more, and I've got to do this more, and I plan, and I plan, and it's all human effort. That's not what it is. Our continent battles with this thing as a whole. Our continent wants to be told, do this, do this, do this, do this, and you'll be fine. And it comes back under legalism law. Whereas in actual fact, he's inviting us to this crazy, wild adventure with the Spirit. Because you don't know where the wind is going to blow next. Oh, all you know when you wake up in the morning, it's another day to bash that devil. And as you live, being governed under his rule, not his rules, his rule, his government, and he leads you, and your attitudes are changed from the inside out, not because somebody externally is pointing the finger, hey, there's no more condemnation. This is now the spirit prompting, moving, causing you to change, to be nice. Come on, you can change. Wives, you missed a great opportunity to say amen to your husband. Elbow ministry nearly came out there. Okay, verse 9. You are, however, not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And he does. Now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Obvious. But if Christ is in you, and he is, then even though your body is subject to death eventually because of sin. All right. We're on planet earth. Okay. The human frailties. Okay. So, 70 or 120, according to your faith, be it unto you. 
that even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. Whose righteousness? His. Come on. Now, if the spirit, verse 11, of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, and he is, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, because you are alive in Christ and by the spirit, brothers and sisters, you have an obligation. But this time, it's not an obligation to the flesh because you're not under law and the flesh. Now, we're not under works. We're in faith. The obligation is to the spirit. To live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We'll come back another time. We'll have a revisit of Colossians. I'll help you with that one. Because he's dead, dead, dead. The old man is dead, dead, dead. Yeah, don't resurrect him. He's dead, dead, dead. Okay. Verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Yay. And the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. You're not under law again. You're not in bondage. So that you may live in fear again. Oh, my goodness. No fear zone. No fear goodness the last two and a half years have given you plenty opportunities to reject the invitation to fear you don't have to accept every invitation to be afraid the enemy and the systems of this world are not going to be um, conducive to living a life of faith They want you to live a life of fear, doubt, and unbelief. And they're issuing you invitations on a daily basis. In fact, every hour at the top of the hour, when they give you the news, it's another opportunity for you to be afraid. Be very afraid. In fact, we've got another variant of fear we're going to release on you. But we don't receive a spirit of fear. We don't have to accept that invitation. Come on. Be clever. Take care of yourself. But don't jump into fear. Mm -hmm. So the spirit you receive does not make you slaves that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And so by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We know we belong. We've come home. We belong to you. So we don't need to be afraid. The Prince of Peace living on the inside. Hallelujah. Amen. Would you stand? How's about we, in our own words, because every single one of us has got a hotline to heaven, ask the Holy Spirit to help us increase our awareness and sensitivity to his leading, his nudgings, 
that we would live a life that pleases him. I mean, we know what the line is, that law, but we're not under that law. Now we're being led by the Spirit. So we know that the Spirit is not going to contradict the law. So we got the basis of the law, but now we're living according to the Spirit, much higher standard, and he's going to help us. Let's ask him this week, Holy Spirit, help me to be more in tune with you, more sensitive to your leading, your guiding. Move me. Yeah, I invite you, move me. Mm-hmm. Okay, how about you pray your own prayer? Okay, let's go. Yeah, so we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives and the way you're causing us to live a victorious life, a life of peace and joy and abundance in you. Thank you that there's no more condemnation. Thank you that you've called us to freedom. So we ask, Lord, that as we go from this place, we would continue in your life, in your joy, in your peace, in your provision, your protection. Hallelujah. And all God's people said? Amen, amen, amen. amen.